Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast, where we make farm law accessible and actionable for sustainable farmers and ranchers, as well as their networks of support. I'm Eva. And I'm Kate. In each episode, we explore real legal issues faced on farms every day, providing key knowledge and tangible solutions to help you grow a thriving agricultural business. From managing liability to navigating tough conversations with landlords and neighbors, we've got your back. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Farm Commons podcast. Today, we're addressing a very, very popular question that we get from producers. Should I lease my land to my LLC? Now, this is such a great question as it uplifts the relationship between the landowner, the land, and the farm or ranch business. And I'm here with Rachel to finally give all you inquirers the answer. Hey, Rachel. Hello, and hi, everyone. I am pretty excited to get into this topic. It's a nice, digestible little bite. Nothing too complicated, and we get to settle this matter. So um, I'm ready, Eva. Super. Me too. But before diving in, I'm curious, Rachel, if you have thoughts on why this is such a popular question that we get. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I do have some thoughts about that. Farmers, folks, they often have farmland and they have an LLC, but they often aren't sure where or what the relationship is there. Are these separate, the farmland and the LLC? Are they one in the same folks have often heard about leasing land to the LLC and are wondering like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? This stuff is just, it's a little amorphous in people's minds, not necessarily intuitive. So I can definitely see how this question comes up. And so then people turn to us and say, well, should I be leasing my land to my LLC? Is that what we do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And this is sounding a bit like a wild shittism, which is what I like to call pieces of common advice or really an implication that something should be done because that's the way to do it because people say it without really a clear reason for why you should do it. And so to dispel this shouldism, um, we're here to reframe this and say, you know, to that question, should I lease my land to my LLC? To this, we say, you can use an LLC to protect your land. Perfect. I love it. I love it. We got to get rid of the should-ism. Should you lease your land to your LLC? That's not the question. The question is, can you use the LLC to protect your land? That's a question that we can answer. And the good news is that leasing land to your LLC can help you protect it. And we don't do it just because or because somehow the law wants us to. We do it, we lease land to our LLC from ourselves to help protect the land as a personal asset. Yeah, for sure. Can you give us a general overview of how that works from a legal standpoint? Um, really like taking us a step back here and covering the basics of how an LLC can protect farmland? Yeah, let's do that. So let's start with an example. Let's say we've got farmer Kale. He is farming on his own land. He owns it. 
and he wants to form an LLC because he's interested in personal asset protection and eventually he wants some of those tax savings that can come after he's making decent money. Kale knows that to get the benefits from the LLC, he's got to separate his personal assets from his business assets. So we, we start there. Yeah, and I think that that piece about the separation of assets is really a concept that most farmers and ranchers can easily grasp. Um, you know, where the tractor, for instance, that's purchased for the farm business is kept as a farm asset. Uh, and the boat, on the other hand, purchased for fishing and other enjoyment on the lake is a personal asset. And so those, those kinds of material assets are relatively easy to distinguish. There's, you know, kind of a clear use, whether it's business or personal. But with land, it's more challenging, right? It really is, yeah. Land, we, you know, when, when we're engaged in farming, obviously we use the land for business. But we also know that the land itself and its ownership is highly personal. So... You know, Kale often, somebody in Kale's position, they're going to have a choice. Is the land a personal asset or is it a business asset? Most folks, their starting point is that the land is titled in their personal name at the registrar's office or the land records office or what have you in, in your county. You know, most, of the, most folks start there with the land being personal because oftentimes farmers are buying it with a personal mortgage. And so they put it in their personal name. But there is opportunity to change the ownership um, of the land. And so uh, many farmers are like, well, sure, I own the land myself now, but am I supposed to be making this a business asset? Am I supposed to be transferring ownership? Yeah, and I'd say the answer to that question, should he change, you know, who is the owner of this asset? from personal to business, I think the answer will really depend on Kale's goals. And because of that, Kale will be the only person who can answer that question, really. You know, not not Eva and Rachel at Farm Commons. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But we can help by helping walk Kale through a decision-making process about, an, you know, that will help him understand what he wants with the land. So, you know, let's let's walk that path a little bit here. What's going to happen if Kale keeps the land as a personal asset, then it's protected from business liabilities. Sounds great, right? A lot of people, like that's why they formed the LLC. They want to protect personal assets from business liabilities. And this, this um, keeping the land as a personal asset, it might also ring true with how Kale feels about the land. The land he feels represents his personal and familial legacy. It is, he identifies with it on a personal level. The land represents his lifestyle and his values. So he might be thinking in his heart, this is a personal asset. So that can feel right to Kale. Now, on the other hand, if Kale were to make the land a business asset, then it would be exposed to business liabilities. And right away, that sounds bad. I mean... Who wants to be exposed to business liabilities? But recall, all of Kale's business assets are exposed to his business liabilities, and Kale has insurance. That's why he has, but why he buys insurance is to protect his business assets. 
So it's not like Kale is sitting out there in the cold, completely exposed. He can still achieve protection for all of his business assets, land included, through insurance. And he might choose to do that, particularly if he wants the land as an asset on the business balance sheet. He might have various reasons that he wants to, to, to show the land on his business balance sheet. And the most common is that um, he wants to be able to borrow against it as an asset. He has some financing influenced reason for wanting to show it as a business asset. I will say though that that's a little less common. Most, you know, many folks can still borrow against a personal asset. So they're not sufficiently motivated to make it, to make the land a business asset. To put it another way, most folks like the first option better. They prefer to keep the land as a personal asset, and it speaks more to their values, and they still find ways to use it as debt collateral. But again, there is no single correct way to do this, and people have a lot of different circumstances going on, some of which will lead them to say, hey, my land's actually a business asset. I'm, I'm going to use insurance to protect it. Yeah, for sure. There's different ways to get creative about this decision depending on each farmer's goals or each landowner's goals. Yeah, so that's super helpful, Rachel, to have those two options spelled out um, as a way to move forward, you know, clarifying some of the, the ways that you can get creative in making your decision. Um, and I'm, I appreciate that you bring in that piece about maybe Kale wants to keep the land as a personal asset because of the values that can be wrapped up into the decision-making process. And so let's say that Kale does like the first option and he wants to keep the land as a personal asset. And he also recognizes the power of paperwork, right? You know, our kind of farmer. Uh, he knows that he needs to formalize that relationship between the land and the LLC. So Rachel, help us out with that. What is that relationship, legally speaking? Great question. And this is where we often get, get like tripped up in our mind. Like, what's the relationship? They're the same person. Kale owns the land. Kale owns the LLC. What do you, you know, same thing. Well, yeah, that's very true. The land is Kale's and the LLC uses it. But we're trying to square a circle here. You know, it's a circle. They're connected. But th there's something more here. Anytime someone or an entity is using land that they don't own, there is a relationship there. There is something that gives that person or entity permission to be on land they don't own. Because as we all know, the default is you don't have permission to go on land you don't own or use it for production. So we know there is a relationship here, even though there's the same person. When we have that permission to use the land that we don't own, or shall I say, when we have a right to use that, when it, we are entitled to be there, we have a lease. That's just the name that goes at the top of the document. So technically what's happening here is that Kale and Kale's LLC are in a lease-based relationship. Now Kale already has this agreement with himself in his mind and no one else has proof of it. And that is where the problem can come in is because there isn't proof on paper of the, this relationship and the details. So his lenders can't see that relationship, the IRS, other folks that might need paperwork proof. So then we come to the idea of, all right, if this is a leasing relationship and we need it in writing, boom, 
We need a written lease. It can seem a little silly. I mean, why is Kale creating a written lease between his person and the business he wholly owns? Well, he's doing it because written agreements help others understand what we're doing also. It's not just about us. This is a communications tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it can, like you said, Rachel, if you know it's just Kale and Kale's farm business, it can feel kind of weird uh, to go through this process. Uh, but like you said, it's a communication tool and still very logical to get this lease in writing in the case that Kale does want to pursue lending um, or you know other options that having a written record of the leasing relationship can make possible. So for you listeners out there who may be wondering what should go into a lease if you are in a similar position to Kale where maybe you have land, it's a personal asset, you want to lease it to your farm business and formalize that with a written agreement, uh, here are the basics for what generally needs to be included um, as it applies to Kale. So first, identify the parties. And so in this case, the LLC is the tenant and Kale is the landlord. Kale, importantly, is not both the tenant and the landlord. The lease relationship makes the distinction between the two. And then the price. The LLC is paying Kale to lease Kale's land. Kale is not paying himself, uh, even though he is a part of the LLC business. Um, So the next question there would be, how much should LLC, Kale's LLC, pay Kale, the landlord? Um, And that will be up to Kale to decide. But Rachel, I know you got some tidbits there for deciding how much. (laughs) Exactly. And I know you've got more elements of a lease coming, but this is a good time to interject and say a few words on selecting that price. Uh, We we also have farmers who follow up and say, hey, uh, can I like pay a dollar for rent and call it a day? Is it that easy? And, you know, yeah, there there are reasons for the LLC to pay less than market rate, even a dollar, to lease the land. Um, you know, in Kale's instance in particular, maybe, maybe Kale's farm operation is new. Maybe Kale, as his person, as his self, well, you know, he's in a position where he needs to subsidize the farm until it's on more stable financial footing. So Kale, the person, is going to give... Kale's LLC a break and charge some really cheap rent. It's also possible that Kale personally does not want extra reportable income. Because if Kale is familiar with his tax obligations, his income from the rental of farmland to his LLC is reported on a separate schedule and is uh, taxable income. So it, you know, accepting that money in rental payment is going to impact Kale personally for his, his taxes. Um, so, it, you know, there's there are definitely reasons why um, we're looking for that uh, that sweetheart deal where the LLC isn't paying very much in rent. But before we leave this subject, I want to bring up the other side of that coin. There are also good reasons for the LLC to pay market rate for rent, to pay much more than a dollar. I think one of the most compelling reasons Kale might want to charge the LLC market rate is that it it creates a more realistic business model. Sure, the farm business might be new, but um, it might want to, you know, accurately understand and deal with its costs. 
especially if in the future the LLC is going to need to rent other land, some accurate costing for rental rates, um, you know, is going to give us a, a stronger expectation of our expenses in the future and help us better set our prices so that we can remain profitable. Some of the other reasons to consider a market rate is that Kale personally does have expenses um, for owning that land. Generally, it's Kale himself as his person who is going to be responsible to pay the taxes, insure the property, pay interest on the mortgage. So Kale has legit costs and he needs to cover them as his person. And so um, having the LLC pay a market rate can help Kale cover those costs. And the last one is that rent is a deductible expense you know, for most businesses in most situations. So if the LLC is looking to manage profit, it can be a useful tool to set um, a market rate for the rent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, Rachel. Thanks for those key insights into um, considerations for setting the price for the lease, whether that's $1 or fair market rate. Um, and it, it makes me think of the saying, what gets measured gets managed. And that bit about um, selecting a price that would more accurately, accurately reflect, reflect expectations of what Kale might pay if he was going to lease, if his LLC was going to lease from another landowner um, can help to manage the business model, essentially. Yeah, so for folks wondering how to find the market rate for land in your area, uh, check out the National Agriculture Statistics Service, uh, which puts together a map of uh, farmland rates uh, by county for all 50 states. Um, and you can also ask around in your community for more um, up-to-date rates on what folks are uh, paying for farmland leases. Um, so yeah, see what land is being leased for, for per acre in your area to get an idea of what you might want to um, set as the lease rate for your relationship. Excellent. Before we leave this issue of price and what we charge for rent, I want to bring up one more thing. Let's say that Kale's LLC is talking about paying more than the market rate in rent. I just want to leave leave it at this is risky because rent is a deductible expense the irs is not going to look kindly on an inflated rental value they're going to be seeing some other suspicion there so we'll we'll leave it at that your best bet is market rate or less if you have some reason um why that is right for your situation yep I'm glad you brought that point in, Rachel. You know, we're trying to manage risk here, not create more, not raise up any red flags where unnecessary. Now to uh, finish up our leasing basics, in addition to the parties and the price, uh, your lease agreement should also address the duration of this relationship. So especially if the LLC has other members or, or, or owners, um, they may want some assurance that the price is locked in and that access is long-term to the land um, in the case that Kale dies and the land passes to his successor, for instance. And next up is maintenance and repairs, addressing that in the written lease agreement. So in this case, what does Kale need to take care of versus the farm LLC? Um, who's in charge of, you know, 
maintaining and paying for the repairs, getting those taken care of, whether that's to uh, necessary infrastructure, such as um, a shed that's being used for storage, um, or if there's uh, water sources, water pumps, um, who's in charge of maintaining and repairing those, uh, and bearing the cost of replacing the well pump if it breaks. So it's easy if it's just Kale who's making the decision, but if it's not, if there's other people involved in in the LLC, it's not as easy. Right. Totally. I mean, that's the nice thing about uh, being your landlord, basically, is when you have to make um, a, a somewhat complicated decision, like who bears the cost of replacing a well pump, all you got to do is think about it you know, and come to a decision. You don't have to schedule coffee and kind of like feel (laughs) out their thoughts and and opinions and raise it delicately and, you know, try to argue for your side. You just decide. So um, it can be really efficient and nice to just make the decisions um, yourself. Uh, But but let's, you know, let's close with, you're right, not all leases are this easy. When you are leasing from or to someone else, there is a lot more to think about. So we need to get this in writing, even though it's just KLS's person and KLS's LLC owner. Um, And that's, that's a really valuable process and really good practice for us to learn how to write down these laces when it is so easy. Then we're going to be ready when things get a little bit more complicated and we start involving other people. Exactly. This is just the warm up here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, in wrapping up here, we've got a couple of resources to help you listeners move forward. If you are interested in setting yourself up to manage your land as a personal asset by creating a lease between you and your farm business. Um, So I recommend checking out our leasing uh, resource, which is, um, it's technically called the Agroforestry um, Long-Term Lease Workbook, which is a comprehensive guide on long-term leases. Um, But what I specifically want to point you to in there is an annotated lease model. Um, so that will, you know, explain the different elements of a lease, give you some example language, you know, help, help your reflections get going and, um, help you think through what you want to write down in your lease. So skim through that for relevant details to simplify for your purposes. We'll include a link to that guide, um, in the show notes. And for anyone who needs to brush up on LLCs, maybe wants to form one to get that personal asset protection and, you know, put this lease in place, we got you covered. Farmer's Guide to LLCs, Farmer's Workbook for creating a governance document that will help you line that up. And exciting news, I don't think we've mentioned yet, we are in the process of uh, translating the Farmer's Guide to Business Structures and all of its chapters into Spanish. So our Spanish-speaking farmers will soon have access. So we'll make sure to tell you about that um, when it happens, along with uh, all the other updates that come from Farm Commons. Yep, we got a lot cooking in our kitchen, and uh, more will be known soon. All right, so the links to those three resources, though, that Rachel just mentioned on business structures will also be linked in the show notes. So as always, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one, folks. We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. If you are looking for more resources on your burning farm law questions, visit our website, at farmcommons.org for a variety of workshops, guides, checklists, tutorials, and more.
You can also email your questions and comments to info at farmcommons.org. Stay tuned for our next episode, and until then, keep growing.